Chris Biddle and welcome to episode 16 of Inside AgriTurf. Now one of the most dynamic and high profile parts of the AgriTurf industry is that which we call professional turf care. Think the striped tennis courts at Wimbledon, the hallowed turf at Lords, magnificent playing surfaces at our leading football stadiums, the glorious links at St Andrews along with thousands of stadiums, golf courses and sporting venues. Add in local authorities caring for parks, highway verges and open spaces, caravan parks, stately homes, leisure facilities and so on, all of which are maintained by a huge range of turf care machinery supported by a network of specialist turf care dealers. Now one such is GGM Grounds Care who operate two branches in the northwest of England and who last year won the Service Dealer Professional Turf Care Dealer of the Year Award. A family business, the company was one of the first, if not the first, Kubota dealer to be appointed in the UK long before the Japanese company established its own sales and service operation in Oxfordshire. More than 40 years on, Kubota is still GGM's long-standing and enduring lead brand, around which the company has added a strong portfolio of supporting franchises. And also, it must be said, lost some as mergers and acquisitions amongst manufacturers have resulted in unavoidable conflicts of brands. So today, I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Gibson, GGM Grounds Care's Managing Director, to discover perhaps how the company has fared during this strangest and, I hope, unique season. So Chris, it's, it's great to catch up and I'm wondering first whether you've introduced any initiatives this year because of the COVID restrictions that might well become a permanent feature of your business in the future. Well, I think we, we prob- probably one of the things that, that we, we, we were forced to do was, was lock the doors of the building into, <laughs> and, and restrict access to the showroom. And, um, and, and that certainly proved a lot easier to deal with customers as they come and ring the doorbell and stop people wandering around the showroom. And the other thing is, I think we've actually ended up improving the layout of the showroom by, in order, by um, thinking about how we route people around that and, and socially distancing. It's actually made the, show, the showroom at Comb work better than it did before. So. Uh, excellent. I did see your video that you made, which yeah. I thought was excellent. Have the customers generally adhered to that? Yeah, generally, yeah, they've been, generally speaking, people have been good. I think initially everybody was a little bit self-conscious about the masks and, and those sorts of things. But, but no, generally, people, uh, I think we haven't got any bad feedback from customers they've kind of expect it accept it and either are happy to stop outside put masks on hand sanitize and and you know do things properly so uh, chris um in this strangest of years taken overall how how will business compare when you get to the end of the year with with last year well we've just closed our numbers for the end of october because we're october year end okay and um as a, as a group, we've, we'll have a positive, we'll be positive by about in, in the small percentages, two, three percent positive in terms of overall turnover. And, and if we'd have been offered the result that we've, we've got last November, I think we'd have taken it and we'd have certainly taken it on the 23rd of March. Yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> so now we, you know, it's been, it's been a, a challenging year that I certainly wouldn't want to repeat, but from a sales perform, we haven't, we haven't achieved what we wanted to achieve, but in terms of having, we, you know, but we have achieved some real growth over the previous year. So I think we got, got to say that's a great result. And uh, which groups of your customers have performed particularly well? I mean, you obviously deal uh, largely with golf and sports and local authorities. Mm. Which group have you been pleased with? I think the area that we've seen uh, most 
growth in that we've we've kind of been working out on two or three years has been the golf market. I think the, the Kubota and Baroness partnership of Japanese excellence that was announced at BTME kind of helped a little bit, and we've been we've managed to sort of start finally instead of just selling it at a club an odd Baroness machine or an odd Kubota machine that we've actually done two or three fleet deals this year and replaced the whole fleet. We're certainly uh, taken credibly in the marketplace now, whereas in the past Baroness was certainly in the North was unknown till we really took it. It hadn't really been, it was certainly regarded as second tier. And I think it, the the product, the, the customer's perception of, of what we're doing, the way we're backing it up, we're certainly now quite happily competing against Toro and John Deere head to head and, do, do you have to work harder to, to, to get those products in? Uh, obviously, as you said, they're not as well known as those uh, well-known brands. Yeah, I think it's, well, I think it's just doing, the, it's doing what we always do. And it's about getting there and, you know, and, and demonstrating it and, and showing the customer. And to an extent, the product sells itself. Once, once the customer's seen it and seen the quality of cut and the performance of the machinery, a lot of the customers, they, they know as we've been around, they know what the service level that we offer. And it's, it's, it's about doing, doing what we, we've always done, but doing it well. And I think that the, the, the product stands up on its own. And I think that, that's what really has made it easier is, is that, if you can go out, go out and demonstrate a product that people can see and, and, and we can give some justifiable benefits to them in terms of improved quality of court and less maintenance costs that, that, that um, you know, they're, they're buying into that. And we frankly struggled to believe what some of the things that we were told at the time in terms of the, the, how long the, the cylinders stayed on court. You know, our experience has proved to be the case that that's, that's what they do. And so, it's, you know, and so, so we've, then been able to bring that into service contracts that we offer with them that with customers that that take account of the fact that we don't need to re have as many regrinds and and and, and consequent bottom lays that that some of the competitors do and, and talking of service contracts how important are you what's the take up on them from your customers as far as we can the, the the contracts themselves are vital in terms of what it's a it's a big big part of our offering now and what we and what and and how we try and you know sell the whole package because I think we we want to differentiate ourselves from just being any a dealer of machinery so you know to take the the discussion away from price and towards and towards actually the total package that we're offering and we've put a lot of effort both with the sales team and with the after sales team in terms of working out. What, need, what elements we need to put into a service package, how to cost that, how to explain that to the customer in terms of the benefits for them. And, and, and together with working with Kubota particularly and, and, and Baroness and, and all the other manufacturers in terms of adding in extended warranty. So we can sort of give the customer that total peace of mind, cost of ownership. Uh, you know, the, the only thing they've really got to worry about is do they damage it? Do they, you know, or, or something? Do, do they damage the product? In which, in which case, obviously, they got to pay for it. So, indeed. Mm. And do, do you find that it helps you in terms of future business because you know that the service has been done on the product and and so on? That's it helps right. in the planning. That's right. It certainly helps in the planning in terms of future business that we know what we've got down the track in terms of in, in terms of if, if we've done a certainly a contract, you know, a, a contract maintenance lease hire package that we know that's coming back down. We know we've serviced it. We can if we are servicing it, we know we can put higher residual values on it because we know what you know, we know what's the, 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 the servicing has been done right because there is for sure a big difference between in evaluation a value of equipment that we, that we we know we've serviced with manufacturers parts to the right standard to the to their recommendations over what somebody may have done in a golf club and um are there any sort of products or product groups that uh, has disappointed you this year that um you haven't been able to shift as well as usual 
I wouldn't say there's the, the biggest disappointment we've probably had wasn't really, it's not really about the, the lack of sales. It was lack of opportunity. We just, just in, uh, I think it was in February, early in end of January, February, we, we um, took on Roberine with, for their, for their ride on triple flail mower and five unit flail mower. And, and we were, we were really, we were just all, we were all organized to get that really launched with them for them coming over in, coming over from Holland to help us do that. We'd obviously in the past sold both Toro and Ransoms in, into the into the sort of local authority commercial market, and and so we we were we we had to sort of put the plans on hold. We've carried on and done some demonstrations and been a lot of work, but and and, and done a lot of a lot of groundwork with that. But to to an extent, we're competing against our own success of the past. <laughs> in that we managed to persuade customers of the past of, in in terms of both of those you know competitive products that they've been and so. It's a harder task to change things. And I think, generally speaking, the local authority market's been more challenging this year than others because, you know, they've, in their own world, focused on tier one services of bin collections and whatever else. And there's a lot of grass hasn't been, it wasn't cut in the way it would ordinarily have done. And, no. um, you know, tenders were put on the back burner. Things didn't get replaced. So if, if there was an if there was an area that we've that's that's been more challenging, I would certainly say it's the, it's been the local authority market. Yeah, but, um, on the basis that uh, for this year, for long periods, customers couldn't come to you or you mm. couldn't go to them uh, as, mm. as well as you would not like. Shows and, and demonstrations mm. have been canned. Uh, so how have you got to the customers? How have you kept the communication going, Chris? D during the worst of it, we've, you, we've in, and we encourage the sales team to keep contact with the customers just on the phone, just to speak to them as much as anything, just to, you know, how's things going from a mental health point of view and, and sort of empathize me because obviously we got customers who were equally sat at home doing nothing. Um, we've used, uh, I think a lot more um, video conferencing, the things like zoom that we would have never have thought of using it. And we'll certainly use that more internally. Uh, and we've, we've done, the one thing I wanted to do throughout the whole thing was I was determined to do was keep the, the, the market department actually going. So we've tried to do a lot on social media. We've tried, um, you mentioned about, we've made a, a video of, uh, we made a video in the, uh, to explain customers when we could reopen about how to use the, the showroom and what we've done to make them feel safe. Um, and we've put a lot of effort into that, into, into social media uh, and, and just generally trying to get our name out there We've run regular sort of offers and campaigns in terms of e email shots and those sorts of things. Just generally try to sort of up our game on the digital marketing front, really, because I think if people weren't in the office, they weren't picking up magazines that they might have ordinarily done. And we have, you know, and we saw, and we saw over the period a huge growth in traffic on the website in terms of people doing research and 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 throughout it, there was somebody always at the end of the phone that we could help and advise and whatever. And if and so long as we could socially distance, we you know we could then go out and do it do a demonstration on site we're fortunate that we're in an industry that's out in the open and we could carry yeah. on mm. yeah yeah i, I notice that uh, even the banks these days are making a virtue of them ring supposedly ringing up their customers they haven't rung me up yet but uh, uh, just to say hello and to find out how they are so i mean it is sometimes as simple as that isn't it yeah it is i, th I think i think i think it's just about you know keeping contact and and, and we've we're fortunate in that we've got the whole of our team, we spend a lot of time sort of building the teamwork and explaining the ethos of the business to the team and what we want to, what that we want to try and do in terms of customer service. And I think everybody sort of engages in that when we very much try and um, empower the, our team to 
do the right thing for the customer and and thinking you know walk the customer's walk and 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 see and try and see a problem through the customer's eyes and find a solution so that i don't need to or anybody or it doesn't necessarily need a manager to make a decision they know what the right decision is and people can get on and do it in my introduction i did mention that your company has the distinction of being the first appointed kubota dealer uh in the uk uh, for something like 40 years so obviously your business has been built around that core product kubota so how do you decide on the complementary products that you need to add to your portfolio or indeed those that you drop um and and are you always in control of those decisions chris well, no, we're not. We're not always in control. I think um, there's, there's sometimes. Obviously, we see on a number, on a couple of occasions in terms of what I alluded to in the local authority market, we, we were effectively being, you know, the victims of of circumstance in terms of manufacturers either being uh, ch- changing the, their route to market in terms of distribution, and so we've we've seen that's come along. But in terms of in terms of uh, how we we choose to work with it. We fundamentally, we, we want to try and offer niche innovative products to our customers. We're not, we, we believe that the best way of selling any product is to get out there and get in front of the customer, explain the benefits of the, of the product to the customer and, and, and show it and do, and, you know, demonstrations, demonstrations, demonstrations is what we, is, is, is what ultimately sells equipment. So we look for niche solutions and, and both in our dealership business. And obviously we have a, a distribution business that, PSD that runs in parallel to the to the to the dealership and it's very much about finding innovative solutions that we can talk to the customer out explain what's different and, and not be there as me with me too product and I think our we've you you you're correcting that I think my father was the first person to sign up with Kubota and we've and we've so we, there's there's a huge sort of well I hope both ways loyalty to lo, loyalty certainly from our side to, to Kubota and a brand and not looking to provide a cheap Chinese tractor alongside that um, because we want to, you know, and, and I'm sure we, we, we won't win every, we won't win every deal because, because of that, that somebody's offer a cheaper alternative or whatever, but we want to be able to offer our customers quality service on the back of a quality product. So it's very much about is the, does the, is not, not only is the, is the, is the solution right, but is the, is the, is the, is the supplier or potential supplier able to offer us the quality of after sales backup that we want and a quality product that will tie in and, and, and sort of meet our own internal aspirations? You've got a higher division, are you, which is, is quite uh, well stocked according to your website. How important is hire to the business? Uh, where does it fit into everything and, and how has it performed this year? I would, it, it's kind of, in terms of how, how important it is to the business, I think, you know, the traditional sort of, Big dealership business of there were sales parts and service that then probably merged into sales and and then after sales obviously people started running parts and service together as after sales we certainly have done and i think i think higher is almost the third leg of the stool in that 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 the customer you know customers and and i think it's an integral part of what we offer it's um to the customers there are customers can't always afford to buy equipment but they have jobs that they want to do um specialist equipment it's become so that's become more and more important we're doing there's quite a lot of customers that don't want to purchase equipment they want managed fleets that they they want you know guaranteed response times from our service engineers that get built into it into a a long-term hire contract so we're happy to 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 do all of that and also in the in and this this year in terms of um we actually 
took the view during the, lo- the initial first lockdown to actually invest in some equipment because we could see that certainly from a flail mower's point of view, there was going to be an awful lot of grass that yeah. needed to be cut that had been sat for two months, yeah. not, not mown. So th- that's seen, seen some substantial growth in that over the summer. We had Kubota out front mowers and AS motor pedestrian flowers, flail mowers that were, you know, were out of the door and out cutting grass for the summer. And, and, and there's been, good good growth in that but we've we want to try i think with our higher offering as well what we want to try and very much try and do is be fair to the customer so we've because i think there's there's always been a nervousness certainly it's a bit like hiring the holiday rent when you go and hire your rental car on your holidays you're a bit nervous about is there always a scratch there or is there a yes you know and and so we've um, we spent quite a lot of time putting a fair wear and tear guide together that whenever somebody does order a rather higher machine, that's sent to the customer, which quite clearly explains that this is what we are, our expectation of the equipment. We know that the, the equipment's either, it's either engaging in the grass or the ground. So it's, not, it's you know, a small scratch or, a, or a, there's a certain element of it that, that's acceptable and not... Yeah, a lot of dealers do go into hire and possibly even half-heartedly and, and so on, but it, it does it's a section of the business that does need managing quite carefully doesn't it it does yeah it very much needs carefully i mean it's and and, um we've in both in terms of documentation and i think in terms of recording you know images recording um condition on both before and at the end of hiring and checks because the moment you've had something out on hire if it's not checked back when it comes back in properly and recorded it goes out on the next guy and well where's the damage occurred and then unfortunately it ends up the company pays and because we so so it we, is it is quite time consuming for somebody to to look after the fleet then yeah we it's i think we've fortunately we've got a very good a very good person that coordinates in terms of coordinates the customer hire inquiries the bookings of it the delivery and we've got some good you know we've got some great staff that can go out and do do installations with the because it's, it's not really about just dropping a machine off there you go. There's your machine. The, the customer need, in, if they're hiring a machine, they need to understand how to get the best out of the machine. And we just take the time to take the time to, you know, if they've, if they're not familiar with the machine to do a bagmer installation, show them how it works. And then they can go up, you know, it, it's, it's safe that they can operate safely and they hopefully getting the best out of the machine and not damaging it. So, uh, Chris, you're, uh, I note you're currently recruiting apprentices. How easy is it to find the right people to fit into your business? And generally, do you find that people, youngsters are aware of your industry? It's not easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> This year was going to we were going to we 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 made a specific thing to try and engage with local schools. We wanted to get local. We thought maybe if we can get people, kids in at work experience at fourteen and fifteen and do do some of that, and we, and we intend to do that. But obviously, with the way with what happened this spring, that was just not possible. So, as dealers, the the best way is to really engage with the local schools, get and and try and get when when they've got these kid, kids on work experience, looking to do work experience, encourage them into the business, let let them have that week or two weeks experience then and then maybe they can get involved in on doing some part-time work I, just, I think we've got to get in early people they don't they don't understand the industry they don't see it and they don't really appreciate actually there's some great careers there and not everybody wants to sit is capable of or wants to sit behind a computer screen from no and, and what um what's been the issues with training this year training not only existing staff but obviously the apprentices because a lot of the training schools are closed down um mm. how have you coped with that this year it's been difficult. We've done we've done quite a bit of of, of, of training of training on, online in terms of with Zoom 
with, with Zoom calls and we've tried we've if if we've had to do get somebody together to do train to do training we've been at, fortunately the, the premises are big enough or we've done done training outside but it, it's been a challenge this year as training and and some of the trainings had to just go on hold we haven't been you know it's it's not it's not been available I think uh, I know Kubota and a lot of the other manufacturers put a lot of effort into getting training going again so you know some of it unfortunately some of it hasn't happened um you know it's been on pause and we've and we're going to have to reinvest in in additional training that yeah. over, over this winter period so looking into next year chris what are the early indications of uh, stock availability well i hear uh, very mixed stories um do you have any particular concerns either from whole goods or from from parts availability is there any early indicators on that we're a little bit nervous. We are, well, we are nervous about stock availability for next year. I think it's as much to do with the change in engine regulations and what's going on with tier five in that, that, that I think on, on the back of what's clearly been a challenging year for all of the manufacturers in terms of the market and the way the market's been through, throughout the pandemic. Some of them, have, there's been delays in, in, in new product coming through and people having to, and being forced by the regulations to manage pre-tier five product out that I think we're, we're certainly nervous about is there going to be a gap in the middle? We've tried to overcome that in terms of investing in inventory ourselves for, for both in terms of the product that we import as distributors and also our, our principal product. But that's, that I think would be certainly one of the, one of the bigger concerns. Um, we've seen some, the other challenge we've had a little bit of, and I think it's likely to continue is where we've got, we've got most of the we've got the whole good we've got one of the accessories but the other one's mm. some supply chain issue that that's incredibly frustrating <laughs> but yes so really looking into next year do you you get your crystal ball out and you probably know as much as you did in mm. january and february this year mm. uh, and we've always said about this industry that the factors that affect it mm. are the economy or the weather and the weather mm. is is number numero uno yeah, yeah. in terms mm. of its impact um but do you also feel that there is uh, likely to be some pent-up demand out there once we get into shall i say the new new normal I think there is. I think the first thing, as far as next year is concerned, is we would, it would be. It wouldn't it be wonderful to understand what the outcome of Brexit's going to be? That there is a trade <laughs> yeah. deal. We haven't or mentioned that yet, have we? No, no. That that I think. It, I think that for us it would be our number one thing. Let's get that out of the way, and then, 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 then I don't know. Pandemics maybe seem. <laughs> Maybe we can cope with the pandemic after that. That's been an incredible frustration, and the way that's gone on, and 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 the fact that we're only five weeks away from the end of of this trade, you know, and we don't know whether there's going to be a trade agreement or not. Everybody's fingers crossed. I think that there is, because if there isn't, just wonder what sort of mess is going to go go on in January. But I think mo moving on from that, I think as you said, the, the two primaries are the economy and the weather. I think the weather will be what it will be, but I think we're fortunate that I, I mean, I that. The outside in, you know, we're an outside industry. I think people have spent more time out in the open this throughout the pandemic. The golf clubs have certainly got increased membership. There's just, there does seem to be, you know, a confidence there to return to investing in things. You know, thank goodness we're not we're not we're not involved in in dealing with the airline industry or no. or, 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 or travel. And 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 even the you know the the, low, the car, caravan site customers have had a had a bumper summer because yes. nobody could go go abroad. So I think there's lots of reasons to be to be positive. Um, and I say I, I, we just hope that we're in a position that our suppliers can 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 you know meet their commitments in terms of delivering product and, and have the com we certainly confident that you know we're not 
looking to, to to back to back off from what we've done last year. We're looking to grow again next year, you know, um, and, and and be proactive with customers and keep growing. It's not. I think there's every every prospect. Some of the things that we'd hoped to do this year haven't happened in the you know. So we can kick on again with those. They've not happened because they didn't work. They've happened because of the yeah. pandemic. So I think. Personally speaking, I think from a professional ground, so there's, there's lots of things to be optimistic about. And sport, as sports starts reopening and soccer clubs start, you know, they're obviously going to have some, the professional soccer's obviously got some huge challenges to overcome in terms of short-term cash flow. Uh, and, and, but, uh, but as they come back, I'm, sure, I'm quite confident that they'll be looking to reinvest and, you know, and, and we've got a, an industry that will be viable throughout and grow throughout next year. Well, that's great, uh, Chris, and, and thank you for your time today. And, and lastly, uh, everybody acknowledges that it's been uh, quite a challenge running a business these days. But, but actually, if you look back on this year, would you say that, yes, it's been a challenge, but I've rather enjoyed it? It's been a huge challenge. <laughs> um, I've, I think I've had every emotion from uh, enjoyment to, to, well, certainly start. I think the biggest one was fear on the, on the Monday night when Boris Johnson was yes. and then thinking, right, now how do I have to deal with this? And I, I remember coming into my office at home and thinking, right, I need to, I need to just, because everybody was, I think, sat there listening, well, what does this mean for us? And I thought, well, I need to make a call and send a note to all the staff, right, this is what I think we need to do tomorrow and whatever. And I, so I remember coming here and sitting here until 10 o'clock at night, writing an email to everybody saying, right, this is my take on it. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And, then, and, and I think that was doing that. And I was very, at that point, and I think I was very confident that in the team that we had, and I wanted to make everybody in our team think, look, whatever this is, we're going into it as a team and we're going to together and we're coming out of it together. And I think the other emotion that I probably had is, is I wouldn't say enjoyment, but a huge pride yeah. in, in, in the people that work for us and some of the effort that they put in. And there's a number of people that have gone above and beyond. And, you know, we, you know, we were forced into working from home and it's very, very, difficult and hugely gratifying that when when as a managing director and as most of the management team were forced to operate from that the people who were continue to work you know i didn't have to worry that is somebody opening the door at eight o'clock are people getting on with their getting on with what they need to do and and, and dealing with say that it's kind of that all of that effort that we'd put in over the over the years in terms of explaining what we're doing was actually paid back and i think that that i've been immensely proud of the team and obviously this time of year what we'd normally be doing is having a christmas party and and yeah. and, and sort of saying saying thank you that that's not going to happen this year unfortunately but i'm sure when we come that's one thing i want to do is is, is kind of really sort of say a huge thank you to our team and push and, the boat and out yeah. Yeah. maybe um enjoyment is the wrong word maybe satisfaction is a better better word but uh, yeah. chris look thank you very much for your time it's great to catch up and uh, yeah. having that insight into uh, gibson's garden machine gibson's ground care well, well well the company's gibson's garden machinery but we, we, we trade as ggm grounds care so yeah yeah well thank you then chris uh, no. and all the best no thanks chris <laughs> So, with many businesses across the land suffering hugely as a result of the pandemic, it is indeed good to hear of a business that has traded well in 2020. Chris's expectations for the year would surely have been higher, but it is clear that when the first lockdown was announced in March, that strong leadership, transparency, clear communication and gaining the early trust and confidence in the team around him has paid dividends. He quite rightly spoke of pride pride in the team, pride in the company's ethos and pride in the difficult season navigated safely. 
and that quality has been demonstrated by many other family businesses in the agriturf sector this year. Or, as the saying goes, when the going gets tough, and you know the rest. I'm Chris Biddle, thanks for joining me, and this is Inside AgriTurf.